0: In local. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a touchdown. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey baby, we are gonna be Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party! Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg.
1: Good afternoon and welcome on a Tuesday, May 17th, the year 2022. Hope you're having a great day and uh, thanks for hopping on board with us today. Brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. Uh, Diversification. Food service, gasoline, tobacco products, fast food, adult beverages, ShopRite Tobacco Plus locations stock a wide range of supplies, including toiletry items, auto supplies, and necessities for the home. ShopRite Tobacco Plus is in the business of getting the products out to you in the community in the most convenient way, but service is what brings our customers back. Did you know ShopRite Tobacco Plus is the largest independently owned convenience store in Louisiana offering food, fuel, payday loans, home supplies, and convenience items to our customers. There are 62 stores in operation across Louisiana today with more than 1,000 employees. ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets, my main man, James Mesh. Producing Inside the Game Studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in Lake Charles on 1041. We are the game. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And we are packed today as we always are. It's uh, now you can set your day, your, your party and your day set for September the 4th as LSU and Florida State will meet in the season opener for the Tigers inside Caesars Superdome, and it's going to be a 6.30 p.m. kickoff. It'll be here on the game. It'll also be on ABC television, so 6.30 p.m. for that one. Bam! When we say bam, that means it's another bit of recruiting news. Class of 2022, four-star center, Sean Phillips of Glendale, Arizona, Dream City Christian has announced his commitment to LSU. He's nicknamed Baby Shaq. Phillips was named the Grind Session Defensive Player of the Year for the 2021-22 season. He's all of seven feet. He's all of 260 pounds. He committed to LSU over Miami, Kansas State, and Georgetown, He's a, he was at one time a verbal commitment to North Carolina State. Quote, LSU just gave me that feeling. The coaching staff was cool. The people on campus were cool. It was just a vibe, and they made me believe in them to get me better every day. So the Tigers have also signed transfers. Kendall Coleman from Northwestern State, Justice Hill, Trey Hannibal, KJ Williams from Murray State. Cam Hayes from North Carolina State and Derek Fountain of Mississippi State their high school signees Terrell Ward from Damatha, Jalen Reed from Southern Cal Academy and Cornelius Williams from Combine Academy you combine that with Adam Miller coming back a couple of other Tigers and a remarkable remarkable job that Matt McMahon has done remarkable remarkable um LSU baseball back at the box today. And look, a lot of teams are canceling um, games. They they don't want to uh, hurt or damage their RPI with a loss. Texas A&M dropped a game against Incarnate Word. Ole Miss against Arkansas State. Uh, Texas State dropped its match against Houston Baptist. And on and on and on and on. Well, LSU will not drop their game against Northwestern State 6:30 tonight. You can listen to it here on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Um, the Tigers have dropped out of a lot of polls. Um D1 Out, Baseball America's rankings out. They came in number 20 in Perfect Games top 25. More significantly, LSU fell from number 15 to number 37. In the NCAA's RPI. That's a drop of 22. Wow, wow, wow. Um, so LSU has lost their last two meetings against the Demons, seven to three in 2021, three to one in 2019. So we shall see. We shall see what happens along those lines. Let me tell you our guest list today, and we're going to get right to it. Alex Myers, the PGA championship is this week. Out in Tulsa, our Golf Digest analyst will join us here in just a few minutes. Grant Hughes will join us. We've got four teams left in the NBA playoffs. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals tonight, Boston at Miami. We'll get his thoughts on the series. Buzzy Haydell will join us, the former LSU pitcher, infielder, handyman. Um, Now does some radio work for LSU as a fill-in every now and then. Buzzy will join us at 3 o'clock to preview LSU versus Northwestern State. Can we figure out what this LSU baseball team is all about? And then Bob Rose will join us from the Saints News Network, as he does every Tuesday for the Black and Gold Report. That, some birthday wishes, and much, much more. So we'll take our first time out of the day. When we come back, we'll talk golf. Golf's number two major of the year is this week, the PGA. Alex Myers on the Jordy Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount albums. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, I'm just telling you, you can't shop right at all. We'll be right back after this timeout. They
0: say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the blonde bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, second major gets underway this week in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Southern Hills Country Club. It's an annual golf tournament conducted by the Professional Golfers Association of America. Last year's winner is not a show up this year, and there's a lot of storyline. So, as per the norm, we always welcome in our golf analyst, Alec Myers. Alex of uh, Golf Digest, kind enough to join us. Alex, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Jordy. How are you? I am terrific. So, is it, uh, you know, the Master was all about the return of Tiger. That, that, that overshadowed everything. Is the absence of Phil Mickelson the 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 overlying story here for this or is there something else no i mean i, I think
2: you have probably three big storylines and they're they're probably all you know kind of equal i guess you're right i guess phil phil not being there uh probably 1a with tiger being here again because there was some doubt after him kind of limping away from augusta if he would play the next major him being there is 1b and then, you know, I got to give Scotty Scheffler a little credit here. Uh, you know, you got a guy who's just on an all-time heater right now, yeah. uh, you know, and he's he's showing up trying to win a second major in a row and a fifth tournament in, I believe, eight starts. So, um, you know, I think those are the, the top three storylines that I'm looking okay. at, at least. But you're right, it is a weird one to not have the defending champ uh, be at a major. It's actually the first time that's happened with a healthy defending champ since Ben Hogan didn't right. play in the 1954 British Open. Ben Hogan only played one British Open ever, 1953, and he won. He never played in it again. So yeah. since then, we've never had a guy who's healthy, a defending champ, not show up at a major, uh, and that's what Phil Mickelson's doing this year.
0: So,
1: yeah,
2: it's, it's kind of a weird thing that's overhanging uh,
1: this tournament. You know, baseball has unspoken rules. Every sport has unspoken rules. Is he breaking the code? I mean, what, what has happened to Phil Mickelson? in the greatest moment of his career yeah. a year ago, and now it's like he's persona non gratis. What the Sam Hill happened? I know. It is crazy
2: because you're right. A year ago, it really was the greatest moment of, of his career, which is amazing to say uh, that you could have the greatest moment of your career when you're you're over 50, but that really is what he did. Um, he was at an all-time peak in terms of popularity In terms of national recognition, I mean, it was one of the not just the golf story of the year, but the you know, sports story of the year, really, him winning a major um, kind of out of nowhere. And uh, for him to not return and kind of get to do that victory lap is kind of crazy. And now, the PGA of America is different than the PGA Tour. I mean, I think we've all kind of come to realize by now the PGA Tour clearly has suspended him, or whatever word you want to use. But the PGA of America being a different body. You know, I know they obviously work together, but I, I figured that this would be the spot for him to come back. It's been three months since those unfortunate comments uh, were published, um, and you know, just as a defending champ and everything else. Uh, but uh, you know, they, they said that they would have welcomed him, so they said it yes. was he made the decision. He was listed in the field as a Friday morning, by Friday afternoon, he had pulled out. So, um, you know, to me, it makes it makes me think that. Um, whether or not he's going to play in another PGA Tour event the rest of the year now is up for up for debate. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got the potentially playing in the, the Live Golf uh, debut next month. Uh, a lot of guys have been denied the um, release from the Tour to play in that, but if mm-hmm. if Phil's not even on good standing as is with the PGA Tour, maybe he just says, okay, whatever, I'll go and play in this other, <laughs> other uh, Tour now. So that might
1: be where we finally see him next. I wonder if he's just kind of Kind of embarrassed we hear about the gambling, the the, the money yeah, that he's yeah. lost. I, I just read a story about he and Gary McCord. Gary McCord's up in the CBS tower, and they're they're giving <laughs> hand signals about bets and all. That's crazy. It is. It's
2: crazy. I but mean, easy. we all we all know that Phil likes to uh, you know gamble a little here or there, but the in tournament stuff with Gary McCord, the just the amount of, that was reported. Again, this is from uh, you know the Alan Shipnuck biography. the, 40 million dollars over just a four-year period of gambling losses uh pretty stunning stuff so you're right jordy i think part of that is he doesn't really might not feel up to
1: answering those questions at this time okay well let's let's get to the ones that are there the last time the pga (laughs) championship was held at southern hills 2007 some guy named tiger woods won it by two shots to win the event for the fourth time um it's gone under it's undergone some dramatic renovation since then obviously but um i guess like you said the fact that tigers playing again after what we saw at augusta is, is a plus plus
2: yeah for sure and 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 you're right i mean the course is different than then than uh, 2007 you know that's a long time ago anyway though it's, yeah. you have to wonder how much anybody in the field really remembers it i mean i was just looking dustin johnson didn't play in his first major until 2008 And he's been around for a while. So, you know, there aren't going to be too many guys that have any sort of, uh, you know, knowledge from that. And and even the ones who do, like Tiger, are definitely playing a different course. So, um, you know, I I still think Tiger gets a little bit of a boost coming back to a place, of course, where he did win a major that always has to feel nice. Um, But, yeah, it's going to be a a challenge for for all the guys this week. Uh, I think... Mm -hmm. Especially, it's going to be windy. Um, not much rain expected, so the course is going to play pretty firm. These are, you know, kind of small greens, and it's a it's a long course uh, for for those size of greens. So I think you're going to see a lot of guys missing greens, especially with the tricky wind. Okay. I think Rory McIlroy was saying he thought the forecast called for a different wind on each day, um, yeah. so that'll be a, a unique challenge too. So I think as much as we hear about how long this course is. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of pressure put on short game. And, again, Tiger, that, that all plays into his uh, his strength, I think, especially at this point in his career.
1: Absolutely. Um, Alex Myers, Golf Digest, you mentioned uh, Rory McElroy. My gosh, he's got two top five finishes his last two events. Who can forget his final 18 at Augusta? Um, yeah matched the lowest final round in master's history with a sixty four and that bunker shot for birdie at eighteen um man, he's a long hitter um I don't know if anybody's more maybe more confident or more um up to speed than Rory now, yeah, I mean you know
2: he's certainly you know on those that list of first few guys that you have to mention um i i i you know the the one thing that I would say is especially, he's already talking about that win playing a factor. And, um, you know, even when he hits some of these colossal drives, of all the best players, we kind of see him miss with wedges uh, probably as much as anybody. So, you know, he might be missing some of these greens, going to put a lot of pressure on his short game. Um, He's not at the top of my list, uh, but certainly You know, it wouldn't surprise me. He's he's played very well, as you mentioned. He hasn't quite gotten over the hump this year, Mm -hmm. but uh, he has played well. Um, And you know, it's been eight years now since he won a major, since he won the PGA Championship in 2014. So it just seems kind of crazy that we've gone this long without him winning, especially with how many high finishes he's had. But his problem has clearly been getting off to a slow start, and uh, whatever the reason that is, it's got to be something mental because it can't be a coincidence. He puts himself. Behind the eight ball at almost all these majors, and then you know, yeah, he does rally and he pulls off that sixty-four at Sunday at Augusta. But you know, you never really got the sense he was actually going to win that day. So for mm-hmm. him to compete this year, he's got to have a good first round. I mean, that's just right. it's, it's simple, but that that's uh, certainly truthful for him.
1: Perfect sense. Uh, he has a chance to win a. Uh, Grand Slam, you know, down the road. So does Jordan Spieth this week. If he could win the PGA, he'd join Gene Saracen, Ben Hogan, Gary Player, Jack Nicklaus, and Tiger Woods in that elite Grand Slam club. Um, He had an early exit from Augusta, but since then, you know, he won the following week at Hilton Head, uh, and he finished second at the AT&T Byron Nelson. So how's his game going into this second major?
2: I mean, yeah, he's looking pretty good. He's lost to one golfer uh, since the Masters at about 300. So that, that's pretty strong stuff from Jordan Spieth. Um, You know, the thing I really like this week is we keep hearing again about how much the short game is going to be tested, and we all know what a brilliant short game this guy has. Now, yeah. the one thing that really scares me, because he's driving it better, he's hitting the irons better, and the short game's always there, is short punting, Jordy, from Jordy of Jordan's Spieth <laughs> is just, like, I, I can't even describe it. I mean, it seems like he misses a three-footer almost every round. He did it on Sunday at the Byron Nelson. He lost by one shot. He three-putted from six feet. Um, and that ended up being the difference. So hmm. that's the one thing that scares me. I mean, I, I like him to compete for sure. I like him to be in the mix. I just would worry about uh, it coming down to, some short putts. I mean, he has missed some st- – even at Hilton Head when he won that Saturday, you know, the Jim Nance almost fell out of the tower when uh, <laughs> Jordan Speeth missed that tap-in. So, And that almost came back to, to cost him. So uh, that's the one thing that's very shaky on these short putts right now. But everything else with his game is, is certainly looking really sharp.
1: He is Alex Myers from Golf Digest. I, I mean, wow. Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth. And Rory McIlroy grouped together for the opening two rounds. What are they doing? Do they want to? Do they want to just have a uh, a crowd of people around one group and and the rest of the course be just bare empty? I, I I'm kind of stunned. You're right. I mean that's
2: uh, of all the marquee groups I can remember in major championship history that might be. The most marquee of marquee groups. I mean, it, you know, I think with us open once did a, a top three players in the world or something like that, but just you're right. I mean, tiger, the whole aspect of who knows how much we're going to even see him anymore. Um, Spieth, you can make a claim that other than tiger, probably the most popular player in the game. And then Rory right behind him. And, and certainly the most popular uh, international player, um, it's an incredible grouping of three guys. You're right. They usually try to break that up. Now, they yes. always break up Tiger and Phil. And there's no Phil this year, so you don't have to worry about right. that. But, yeah, you would have thought that they would have broke, broken those guys up a little more. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's certainly going to be some traffic jams. If you're going to the course, uh, good luck seeing those guys. You're going <laughs> to have to camp insane. out on a hole like way ahead to, uh, to get a glimpse
1: of them probably. Okay, you mentioned the wind. You mentioned the length of the course. You mentioned the small greens. You mentioned the emphasis on the short game, drive yep. for show, chip and putt for dough. So give me give me some names that you feel. I'm not asking for the winner. I'm just saying sure, give me sure. give me a group of names of golfers that fit the category that can compete and compete well in this type of a tournament. Yeah, I mean, I'll
2: again. I'll start at the top with. With Scheffler, for okay. sure, just because he is the top guy, I think he deserves to be the favorite. Um, you know, uh, Jordan Spieth, we've already mentioned. Certainly, I, I, I kind of like him um, as well. Um, you know, uh, again, hard to hard to overlook John Rahm with his short game um, around these greens too. Um, and then, you know, going further down. Tiger Woods, I mean, maybe in the mix here. Justin Thomas, his boy. You got to figure that uh, Mm -hmm. Tiger's giving Justin some some tips about this place, maybe as well. He's coming off a nice uh, finish at the Byron Nelson. He's got a great short game, probably an underrated short game. Uh, He's certainly got the length as well, and he likes to hit it low, so the wind won't bug him as much. Um, Those would probably be my top five of the Mar. Key guys. I, I usually love going with Kyle Morikawa, but I wonder about the length here. Victor mm-hmm. Hovland. I wonder about the, the chipping woes with him. Um, so I probably would lean w- with these other those other five guys that I mentioned right now.
1: So you're not telling me there's like a, a great story like Rich Strike who comes out of nowhere um, to win <laughs> uh, this thing. I mean, you know what? Uh, Cameron Smith has had a heck of a year. Yeah. Um, sure. But Scotty Scheffler's just kind of buried him but i mean he's he's got good irons right he's he's great short he's
3: game good, great, short great short game, short game so yeah. maybe cam no, smith might
1: be in the mix
2: no i i i you're right i think I think we overlooked him at augusta and i think people are probably overlooking him now too i'm seeing him you know down the board somewhere in like the 28 to 30 to 1 range that definitely seems a little crazy given how well he's played this year um, I guess the one thing that people would maybe worry about with him this week is the length just, uh, but, but again, if it doesn't rain, you know, okay. that, that yardage won't be as crazy. If you're, if you're hitting fairways, you're going to get some good rollout. So, um, you know, a guy like Cam Smith, not that he's short, but he could keep up with the, with the, you know, the breweries of the world. If, if the fairways are firm. So uh, yeah, you know, he's been overlooked. I think you're right. If he, you know, obviously if you went to the Masters, we're talking about him a lot differently, having won the players in the Masters and that thirty four underperformance at at Kapalua. So he's 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 been great. You know, another really interesting guy this week, Jordy, is um is Brooks Kepka because okay. we've seen the PGA go to to uh, you know, to a former US open venues more of late. And two times they've done that recently were at Best Page and at Bell Reeve, and he won both those PGAs, so he you know he has the two PGAs, the two US Opens. It almost is like he has four US Opens. He he likes these big courses that play tougher. He loves you know he loves to get up for these majors. The one thing we've been worried, obviously, the last couple of years, is his injuries and everything else. He missed the cut at Augusta. He W D last week at the Byron Nelson, but he seemed in great spirits today. He had his somehow he locked his clubs in his car. Uh, oh he gosh. ended up being an hour late for his press conference. Uh, but he videoed the whole thing, and he was laughing about it. So, you know, he seems like he's in good spirits. He seems like he's healthy at least. Um, and, and the odds have just really dropped on him. So, uh, you know, I'm seeing him in like the 45-to-1 range. So uh, I just think he's, you know, Cameron Smith's being overlooked. But I think Brooks Kepka a four-time major champ, is being overlooked as well.
1: All right, Alex, I know you got to go. I appreciate the time. Well, they always talk about the great prices of food and drinks at Augusta. <laughs> But at the PGA, it's 18 bucks for a beer. That's absurd. Let's wake absurd. up to reality. Come on, PGA. Drop the prices, please. I'm, I'm
2: stunned. I mean, you got to load up at the ATM or you got to have a high limit on your credit card just to go. And, and get some drinks at this tournament. So Crazy. I mean, waters are six bucks, Jordy. It's gonna you know, it's ridiculous. gonna be hot a couple of these days. So
1: yeah, I feel ridiculous. for the
2: fans out there. That that's that's gonna be tough. We're definitely not in August anymore.
1: I like the I like the tour players screaming for the fans. Lower the prices. Yep. All right, Alex. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. it all gets underway on Thursday. Uh, Golf second major the PGA. Thank you, my friend. You got it, Jordy. Take care. Enjoy the golf. All garden. right, we'll take a uh, we'll take a time out here. But first, Alex had a commitment at. Uh right now, so we we appreciate his time. If you want to see the Astros in person, then listen up. The game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Bookshire AC Le Meridian, Houston downtown down and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Game one, Eastern Conference Finals. Tonight we'll preview it next. Grant Hughes, Bleacher Report here on the Jordy Helford Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May seventeenth, 1998, New York Yankees pitcher David Wells tosses a perfect game in a 4-0 victory over the Minnesota Twins at Yankee Stadium. At the time, the perfect game was only the 15th in Major League Baseball history. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to the Jordy Helping Show brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. We're down to the Final Four of the NBA. The Eastern Conference Finals gets underway tonight. Boston at Miami. The Western Conference Finals begins tomorrow with um Golden State and Dallas entertaining in San Francisco for game number one. Grant Hughes is our NBA analyst and expert, and just a good guy with Bleacher Report, and he's kind enough to join us uh, on a very, very, very busy day. Grant, what's happening, buddy? We did, did were these the four teams that you thought? Who who is the biggest surprise of these final four teams to you?
3: Well, it's hard to choose between the Bucks not being there and the Suns not being there. I think that was that was my preseason finals pick. I think, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, I think the bigger surprise is probably Phoenix not being there just because, I mean, they won 64 games during the year. They were the best team in the league, basically, you know, wire to wire, um, and then just got absolutely boat raced in that game seven, which I still, I hope you don't ask me to explain what happened in that one because I have no idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't figure it out either. I just, um, wow, crazy. Um I thought the Celtics, you know, once the, it's something about Boston garden uh, game seven, do they ever lose those at home? So I swear, I'm sure they have, but it's far and few between.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to make excuses for the bucks, but you know, they didn't have Chris Middleton, right? I think we talked maybe the day after Middleton hurt that knee a couple of rounds ago. And I think, I think I said then, well, the bucks can't win it now um, if, if he's not back. And Look, you know, Giannis, I think, clearly established himself as the best player in the world or reestablished or confirmed or whatever you want to say. Right. But, but that, man, they missed Middleton. And, and yeah. that Celtics defense is about as good as I've ever seen, at least in, you know, recent memory. They just, they just make it impossible to score. So the Celtics earned it. Um, but, but I do think the Bucks with Middleton, look, they took it to seven without him. So, I mean, I right. think the Bucs probably would be alive still if Middleton had been healthy. Is Jason
1: Tatum one of the elite players in the league now? That 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 handful of players that you, you know you talk about Giannis, you talk about LeBron, you talk about Steph, and those kind of is he has he gotten to that point yet, or is he
3: just a little bit outside? You know, I was joking with someone just recently about how it feels like we ask that about Tatum like every couple months, right? And, and the reason we do is because he doesn't do this consistently. Like he has right. these peaks where he looks very much like that guy. And so I think, I think just if he can sustain this through this series and just be the best player on the floor uh, against a really good Miami team, then I think I'm good putting him in, in that, you know, absolute top, 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 top level until, until he sustains this. I think okay. I got to just, just like a one a, you know, just right. not quite. It, he can get there. He's still young, but, but, it's funny that we ask that about him, you know, more often than almost anybody else. Um,
1: the fact that um, the the defensive player of the year Marcus Smart is questionable for game one—that's that's huge, isn't
3: it? Yeah, except he's always questionable, right? Like he, the way that guy hits the floor, I, yeah. I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't play. And I'd be shocked if he doesn't look exactly like the same just kind of wrecking ball flying around guy that he always does until he gets hurt again, because that's also part of the package with him.
1: That's true. That's true. Why is Miami so underappreciated and undervalued? Man, they got a really good team. Well coached. What is it about them?
3: I think I think the main thing for me is that the things that make them so dangerous are sort of harder to pick up on because you know Jimmy Butler's really good, Bam is really good, but neither of those I don't think are are the top tier type guys we you know we're talking about whether Tatum is or not. I think th- a lot of it with the Heat is that they're just better than anyone at making sure the other team doesn't get to do the first thing that it wants to do, whether that's okay. a certain guy getting touches or playing a certain way on offense. They just they're better at taking things away. And it's just not easy to notice that stuff, right? And, and I think part right. of that's just they're maybe the best coach team in the league, and that's hard to pick up on too because um, they don't have that, you know, jump off the screen superstar. So, so right. I think that's probably so, the reason they don't get the credit that, that they deserve. I mean, look, obviously they're, they're the top seed in the East, and here they are.
1: Are they the best, and I, and I say this, team that plays as a team in other words they move the ball all over the place they they don't have luca out there dribbling it you know pounded it pounded it and i'm not taking anything away from luca he's unbelievable but this is a team that gets the ball on one side reverses to the other side set screens they're constantly moving and they play defense so are they the best team within a team
3: Interesting. I think consistently they probably do, at least what you're talking about on offense and defense. They seem the most consistently connected team that, you know, to your point, like the ball just moves, the players are always moving. They all communicate. They know where to be. They know how to cover for each other. I'm not sure that, like, I still think the Warriors, and, and the Warriors do not hit this level all the time and they can look terrible. But when the Warriors really have it humming and they have these guys that have been together for 10 years, um they I think can hit a higher level, but the yeah. Heat stay at that, you know, stay at like a B plus A minus just all the right. time. They never they never come apart.
1: I think the offensive prowess of Golden State is at a level that I don't think Miami can ever reach. Uh, but Miami plays defense better than Golden State does, and Golden State's a really good defensive team, but they're just they're just different. Um Golly Luca, she whiz. I mean He's 20, what, 21, 22 years old? God, he
3: is unbelievable. He's just, uh, he, I don't know what you do with him, right? Like yeah. as a defense, you know, you cannot double him because he loves it and he just finds the open guy. You can't put a little guy on him to stay in front of him because he's too big. You can't put a, a big guy on him because he'll just go around him or draw fouls. It, he really, you know, we're, I'm overreacting, I think, because he's been, he was so good in that series. But maybe not because he's always good in the playoffs. I just think I don't know what the solve is for him. And the Warriors really, I think the Warriors are lucky that they've seen prime James Harden in playoff series and they've seen prime LeBron in playoff series. And so this challenge isn't really new to them. But the way Luke is playing right now, I think you just you may have to just let him get 50 and hope the rest of his team can't also get 50
1: who do you put on? Do you, I mean, Draymond Green is too valuable to get in foul trouble, but he's like the best matchup from a size perspective and from a basketball IQ perspective, but man, that's a big risk, isn't it?
3: Oh yeah. You can't, I don't think they will. I think, well, the Warriors are going to switch a lot, first of all, but um, Andrew Wiggins is their best perimeter defender with Gary Payton second out. And so Wiggins is going to get the lion's share of minutes there, but you know, that you're going to have Clay Thompson's going to have to take a turn, Otto Porter's going to have to take a turn. Um, Draymond will get switched up there sometimes. This it, it'll have to be committee, but but Wiggins will get the primary assignment, I think. Um, and Wiggins is when he's dialed in, he's about as good a wing defender as there is, but I think Doncic is still just going to do whatever he wants even against yeah. him.
1: I I don't think Dallas can count on Dinwiddie getting 30 like he did. Uh, now Brunson's been very very consistent, but um i i don't know I, I you know maybe it is Luke, let luca get his and shut everybody else down like I, that might be the only way to do it because I, I i don't see how else you can but um who do you like coming out of the east
3: i think i like boston i, I think you know i think six games feels about right for the celtics to win that series um I think it's, it may not be the most fun series to watch because these two defenses are so good. It may be a, a bunch of rock fights where the scores are in the 80s or 90s. Um, but I think Boston has a little more juice offensively, especially if Tatum can keep this up. Um, and I just – I think it's going to be kind of ugly, but I do like Boston a little more than the Heat.
1: Okay. Um... Dallas has beaten Golden State three out of four matchups this year. I know there have been injuries involved, so you take that with a grain of salt, obviously. what how, how, Golden State is – they really haven't played, I don't think – you tell me. You've seen them a lot more. than I just don't see the same team. Something's amiss. They, they're not clicking, in other words. Um, what is it?
3: I think Memphis is a little underrated. I think the Grizzlies really mm-hmm. – their size and their defense – you know, tired the Warriors out and the Warriors are better than anyone at beating themselves with the turnovers and the just letting off the gas when John Morant went out. So I think one way to spin it is we have not seen anything close to the the Warriors team that, you know, started 18 and three or let alone, you know, some of those championship teams, but they're still here. And so I think yeah. if you're looking for a team to really surge there, it because they've gotten to this point playing certainly not their best. and And I think, now they can't they make the excuse of, well, we don't have to be dialed in because the other team's best player is hurt. They, mm-hmm. they know Doncic is as good as it gets right now. And so I think, I think there's a scenario where the Warriors really – we see the best version of them in this series uh, that we've seen so far. I, I do think that there's going to be a, a Steph Curry explosion game because we haven't had one of those yet. Right. And it's just right. he's too good for that to remain the case for this entire postseason.
1: Uh, the NBA, you talk about the great players, but what does it mean that Steve Kerr has now cleared the league protocols and has rejoined the Warriors as their head coach?
3: How how big of an uplift is that? I think it's big. I think especially you know he he's missed a bunch of time before he had major yeah. complications from back surgery, and right. so uh, this this team has experienced winning and playing without him, but he really is. Uh, he's just a different presence on that sideline. I think I I do feel bad I do feel bad for him because nobody hates the the careless turnovers more than him, and so right. he had to watch those games from home and couldn't do anything about it when they were just well, kicking the ball all around the gym against that. Memphis. So so I think he'll hopefully shore up some of that. But I just emotionally, I think they really are going to be glad to have him back.
1: Golden State tries to make the spectacular play every time down the court, man. They they got to rein that in a little bit, don't you think?
3: I mean, we've been saying it for seven, eight years, right? I think it's just baked in. It's just, you can't, you, you got to try to manage it, but there's just no way that they're ever going to be a careful offensive team. I, I don't think It just, it would have happened by now, right? These guys are all veterans right. now and it's not point. young. It's just, it's just baked into how they play. You got to take some of that with, you know, to get some of the highs I think offensively, yeah. but I agree. Some of these are just, it's just in, inexcusable throwing the ball away.
1: Crazy, crazy. If you had to um, handicap the four teams and just take away conferences, who would you list as the favorite? Who would be second, third, and fourth?
3: I think I'd probably put Boston first, Um, Mm -hmm. mainly because that defense is going to travel no matter what. And so all they got to do is figure out how to score enough. After that, I think Golden State's two for a very different reason, just because their highs are higher than anybody else's. You just don't know if they're going to get there. And then I think I'd probably go Miami and then Dallas, but you could those last two I'm not sure. I think Golden State and Boston just feel like it, the the safest at the top two for me. I gotcha. Um
1: got the draft lottery tonight. We'll find out where things are going. Pelican fans are hoping against hope uh that they get into the top four. There's a chance percentage wise. More likely they'll be the eighth or ninth pick, uh, which is still um laughing at the Lakers and what, what happened to them. And speaking of the Lakers, who's, who's the right head coach for that job?
3: Uh, 2001, Phil Jackson, probably.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I keep hearing Mark
3: Jackson. Everybody's screaming about, I don't want that job. You're set up to fail. Um, they don't have enough talent they're not flexible. LeBron's a year older. Anthony Davis is always hurt. And the expectations are really high. So, I think the coach they get is going to be a coach that is maybe not another team's first choice, like Mark Jackson, or, or you know, a, a guy getting a second shot like Kenny Atkinson, who's a great, he's a great coach. He's an assistant for the Warriors now, but yeah, I just, uh, that's not a glam, That's not a good job. That's not a good spot to be no. right now. I don't think.
1: No. And I don't know what you do. They have no money. They have no draft picks. They've got ta- They've got players, but I mean, does anybody want Russell Westbrook? I mean, do you trade Anthony Davis? I mean, heaven forbid, do you even contemplate? I don't know if you can even do it. Trading LeBron?
3: Well, I think, you know, of those options, I I don't know how they possibly trade Westbrook. I do think the most is I don't have any inside information on this. But to me, the, the most likely way this changes is LeBron kind of surveys the landscape and says, I can't win here. Um, right. you guys got to, I got to go. And, and and that's the way it gets done. Cause then when he says that, you know, you gotta, you gotta move him. Um, but yeah, I, I just, uh, there are, there are no out. The second they traded all those rotation guys for Westbrook, um, they just boxed themselves in and now, you know, you, like you said, I don't know. I don't know what you do. I don't, you can't, there's no easy fix. That's for sure.
1: Where would be a good place for LeBron to go? I mean, that, he's not going to any team. Um, where, where, where would be a good spot for him?
3: Well, the thing with him is he'll fit anywhere, right? I mean, if, if you need him to score, he'll score. If you need him to pass, he'll pass. I don't know about the defense anymore. I think he'd, he'd have to go to a winner. I think he I would Miami? look at Miami again, or really like any hype. The Clippers would make way more sense than, than the Lakers do. Cause they're going to have Kawhi and Paul George back next year. Wow. Could you imagine that? I mean, that'd be the way to stick it to the Lakers if, if he's frustrated with how this, this roster has been put together, even though I guess reports suggest that he's kind of partly to blame for the whole Westbrook thing. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think he's, they're, they're all just stuck. I just keep coming back to that thing. This year's going to be rough. I think it's way more likely that the Lakers miss the playoffs again than they make any kind of playoff run. Like, there's just there's no reason to believe they're going to be better.
1: A lot of excitement in new Orleans there's a lot of excitement about this team of course it's all predicated upon staying healthy but I thought Willie Green did a hell of a job um and that team got better and better and better and uh, you know I've been I've been against David Griffin forever but he got C.J. McCullum, and that certainly certainly helps and their draft was beyond expectations with Herb Jones and Trey Murphy got got better and and, of course, Jose Alvarado picked him up off the street. My gosh. So
3: uh, they're doing something, right? Yeah, I mean, suddenly, you know, all the aspects of the of how you develop talent just kind of worked. I mean, it's amazing to me that you, you mentioned the three guys, you know, Jones, Murphy, and Alvarado. To, to have all three of those guys playing significant roles yes. in a playoff series, I mean – that's incredible. That's, that's yeah. how, that's how you really build a winner. Cause you know, to some extent, the easy part is saying like, well, Brandon Ingram is really good. So we've got right. him and Zion is obviously the first pick and CJ McCollum is a is a great back. You know, those guys are obvious, but getting the, the sort of the sneakier, you know, support guys, that can right. sometimes be the most difficult thing. And I don't know how it happened, what they changed in their approach or their scouting or what, but um, three home runs really right there just kind of yeah. kicked out of nowhere.
1: No, we'll see what the future holds. After tonight, we'll find out all about that. But Grant has got uh, Boston coming out of the East, Golden State coming out of the West. That'd be a great final, and uh, it'd be a lot of fun to watch. We'll see. But I'll be I'll be glued to I'll, I'll be glued to this throwback series starting tonight. Um, I think I think Miami's got a chance. I, I just something about them. Uh, we shall see. We shall see. But thank you as always, man. It's always fun talking with you. I greatly, greatly appreciate it.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you
1: all right that is uh grant hughes of bleakshire report All right, the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles wants to upgrade your experience for downtown rising with the ultimate downtown rising vip experience you can score a pair of VIP passes, plus a chance to meet the Cold War kids. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win VIP passes for Downtown Rising on Saturday, June 4th. The ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, Louisiana Rage Cajuns, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, back to wrap up our number one. This is the Jordy Holtbert Show. On the game, brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets.
0: Jordy Holberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene. Or was even born. Now back to the Jordy Holberg Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, to recap the big news, LSU basketball, Sean Baby Shaq Phillips Jr., Seven foot, about 260, 265, according to Coach McMahon. Quote, Sean is a physical, tough, competitive addition to our front court. He's a shot-blocking rim protector. I love that. And an active rebounder on the defensive end of the court with his size and mobility. He is a strong finisher around the rim. Can't coach bigs. You can't coach sides. It is what it is. So, Baby Shaq, boy, does he have some shoes to fill? I don't know if he wants to be called Baby Shaq around here, but hopefully he can play a little bit like Shaq and then the Tigers have something big time. All right, coming up, hour number two preview LSU Northwestern State in baseball. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us to talk all about the Saints and everything to get you up to speed there. We are presented by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. Our number two of the Jordy Helpert Show, straight ahead on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: In local. This is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game Mobile app and online at 1037TheGame.com. It is a Saints touchdown! This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey baby! We're gonna win! Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg.
1: Hour number two of two away we go on this Tuesday, May 17th, the year 2022. We've got NBA Eastern Conference Finals, game one tonight. Boston at Miami. We've got the NBA lottery. We'll find out where the Pelicans are in this upcoming draft fingers crossed for that um and we've got lsu baseball back at oh we've got sean baby shack phillips jr seven foot 260 uh coming to play basketball for lsu if he can play a little bit like big daddy Shaq, then we got a good one in baby shack um lsu back at the box uh northwestern state comes to town um, they've won the last two meetings against LSU and then LSU will hit the road and head to Nashville for the regular season finale at Vanderbilt. So this could be in all likelihood, the, uh, home finale at Alec box stadium, skip Bertman field. Uh, and joining us is, um, a guy that hit the last home run at the old box. And, uh, he did a little bit of everything and now does a good job of radio, and all that fun stuff. Buzzy Haydale, kind enough to join us. Buzz, it's been it's been too long. You've been too busy. You go to Augusta every year. <laughs> I mean, come on.
5: Hey, Jordy, good to have you. I was going to tell you, man, I, uh, I, I I miss being on your show. I was trying to. I think we were trying to hook up there yep. in early April, and you caught me. You caught me in the promised land at Augusta, and so, um, actually leaving this Friday, Jordy. I got our tea time is uh, Monday morning to go back and play it. So I'll let you nice. know maybe. Maybe you can get me back on in a couple weeks. I'll let you know how, how I Absolutely. did.
0: Absolutely.
1: Nice. I hear you hit them pretty good, too. Uh, what did you score uh, when you played there the first time? Come on, be honest.
5: So the first time, uh, well, you know, if people can believe this or not, I mean, there was three other witnesses with me. So uh, even you. far, Jordy, six birdies, six bogeys, six pars.
1: Wow. I, I take know, it and I run know, with it. Take it and run with it, big guy. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> What how how do we describe this LSU baseball? I can't figure them out, man. What what is the deal here?
5: Well, it's you know it just goes to show you that the game, um yeah, you got to be good at a lot of parts of the game. You, you, you could argue that starting pitching is yeah. probably the most important, if you know, or one of the most important things of uh, in the game of baseball. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember. We, you know, when I first got to LSU, it was actually Smoke the Ball was the one who, you know, you have the order of importance, right, of things you want to do well, and dominant pitching was number one. And, and that's just something that LSU doesn't have right now. And um, they're they're, good, they're a good baseball team. They're, when you don't have really good starting pitching, you can't be a great baseball team. And, and they're electric. I mean, look, on offense, although it, it wasn't really there this weekend against Ole Miss, who's probably playing as good as anybody in the league right now, but – um, the offense is fine. They do enough. They generate enough runs. Yeah, you'd like to see them catch the baseball a little bit more behind uh, defensively, but they, they just don't have anybody that they can give the ball to. And look, Hill, Hilliard's the, really the only one that you, you've got yeah. confidence in giving him the ball, and he's done a magni- magnificent job this year. But the truth of the matter is, you know, to, to ask him to be the, uh, the, the the Friday night guy, if you will, or the, or, or the leadoff guy on a, uh, yeah. on a on a weekend rotation. Uh, that's asking a lot. I mean, he's he's yeah. done everything we've you know you've you wanted to do, but he's he's just not that prototypical uh, SEC Friday night starting pitcher, and um, so you really don't have a guy you can give the ball to and, and have a lot of confidence that he's going to go deep in the game and keep it. You know, keep keep the opposing team to a run or two. You just don't have that right now. and It just makes it very very difficult yeah. to win baseball it's- games. And so I I, I like look a team has talent. I like them. I think they could make some noise uh, late in the season in in, in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, to to hold the big trophy at the end of the season, you just it'd be hard to envision that right now with the lack of starting pitching.
1: I understand completely. I've never seen a baseball staff, like you mentioned, one guy, and, you know, that's asking an awful lot. But after that, and now you're getting ready to play an SEC tournament where hopefully you play game after game. My God, I don't know what they're going to do. I have no well, idea
5: what the... Uh, yeah, I, I tell you, Jordan. you know, and Jay Johnson, it's not like this was not like this was something that, that's a surprise. I mean, he said before the season he was going to use a bunch of guys to try to get yeah. 27 out. And, yeah. and, you know, that sounds great at the beginning of the season, but the truth of the matter is when you use... I mean, you're looking at these box scores. They're throwing five, yeah. six, seven guys a, a game right now. I mean, just about every game, it looks like... When you do that, you just everybody has to have their A game. You know, if one or two pitchers comes out and it doesn't have uh, doesn't have the the stuff that day, then that's that can cost you the game. It just becomes very difficult uh, when you you gotta you know you, you gotta count on so many guys guys excuse me in one particular game. But um, look, you know, stranger things have happened, and it's LSU, and yeah. but you said it best. I mean, you know, if, if you hadn't seen LSU this year, you may want to. You may want to go out to the box tonight against Northwestern State because, you know, unless they go to uh, Nashville this weekend and do something crazy, which I think they'd have to sweep, um, you know, possibly two out of three with, with, you know, that gets them to 16 wins. I think it needs to be more like 17 wins in the league uh, to host, and especially the way Texas A&M has come along and, um, heck Auburn, Auburn has made a little run here too. So you know they're not going to give mm-hmm. five, six regional sites to the SEC. It's only going to be right. you know right. four, you know poss- possibly. So um, they, they've really got to they've they really got to do do something strong here to uh, to host the region. It's going to be going to be very difficult.
1: Buzzie Hedel kind of to All right, I I've never seen this before. Please tell me if you have, <laughs> and then explain to me why this happened, but. Sunday, uh, the starting picture for LSU. And I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill. I'm really not. I'm just trying to get educated. Samuel Dutton threw one pitch. One pitch. Now, he gave up a double, but he threw one pitch and was replaced. I've never seen that before. And and he was not hurt. Let me throw a caveat. He was not injured. So tell me what's going on with that
5: so what 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 i what was told to us, and if you heard uh, Jay Johnson basically spoke uh and said that that was in the plans that well, i don't- you know i don't necessarily believe it was in the plans for obviously him to throw one pitch and then be taken out, but you remember last weekend at Alabama, he only got two outs. And then he, they, you know, Jay Johnson went and, and hooked him and brought in, uh, I believe he brought in the same, I think he did the same thing. I, brought, I think he brought in Hasty. But, you okay. know, he was getting, he was actually getting hit around a little bit in that first inning at Alabama. Uh, you know, his philosophy, if you heard him, he said he was trying to start the righty. So, uh, you know, Mike Bianco would, would, would make it a lefty heavy lineup. And then he would bring in Hasty. Uh, after one batter is, is kind of how he said it because Hasty's okay. a lefty and now he would be facing all the lefties in Ole Miss's lineup. You know, I, I'm with you, Jordy. I don't know if we need to make a mountain out of a bowl hill. Is it was it the, is it the right call? Is it the right thing? I, you know, I I think maybe could have been maybe over analyzing it a little bit just because <laughs> you know. Listen, I mean, you can. It's not like you have to keep the you know, hitters in there. I mean, if 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 Mike right. Angel wants to change up you know, the hitters to a right-handed hitter to, because he's facing lefty. I mean, it's he can do that, right? So it's not like you're going to, like, wow him all of a sudden by bringing in a lefty. And, oh, by the way, uh, the, some of the really good hitters for Ole Miss were lefties, and they wouldn't be coming out of the lineup if Randy Johnson was starting on the mound. So, uh, you mean, your best hitters are your best hitters. It doesn't matter if they're lefty or righty, and if they're facing lefty or righty, they're going to stay in a lineup. So, yeah, it was a little bizarre, but, you know, Jay Johnson you – know, He's won everywhere, you know, at Arizona. He's got a lot of wins. He's a a heck of a recruiter, and uh, he's doing what he thinks is best to try to help his team, uh, you know, put his team in a position to win and give them the most chances or or most success to win. And so, uh, yeah, I I think it was probably, in hindsight, he probably would say, well, you know, that didn't really pan out like I thought it may." But,
2: yeah,
5: yeah, I'm with you, though, Jordy. It was a little bizarro to me, and that's— I've been, uh, you know, obviously been playing baseball for a long time—little league, uh, high school, college. I've called a bunch of games now up to this point. Watched a bunch of major league baseball in my, you know, 35 years of living. I've never seen a pitcher, a starting pitcher. Let me say that—a starting exactly. pitcher—I've never seen taken out after one pitch.
1: Exactly. That would like Dale With, Brown telling me, "You're gonna have," you know, if it's yeah, it, right. different. Exactly.
5: Different if Dale. it was an injury or something. But yeah, no, I've never seen it.
1: That'd be like Dale Brown telling me, Jordy, you you're going to take one shot, and as soon as you take it, you're coming out. <laughs> well, I'd have been if out you, in five seconds. You, I'd have taken the thing if and you make shot it, it right away. It, it anyway. Doesn't, um, it
5: doesn't matter. You're out.
1: <laughs> explain as a former LSU player um, what it's like to have to play in-state schools like LSU's about to play, Northwestern State. What's that like? Because LSU recruits nationally. A lot of these in-state schools recruit in-state. And it means a lot to them.
5: Yeah, it does mean a lot. You know, look, a lot of these kids, when they're playing for Northwestern State, and look, I was a guy who got recruited by uh, Louisiana schools, too. And I know, I know dang good and well if I would have gone to a, a UL Lafayette or, you know, Louisiana Tech or ULM or, I mean, you know, and, and not had the opportunity to, to uh, clean it up every day in Alex Box Stadium. You know that's a big thing to come down to Baton Rouge and play in such a great stadium that uh, most Louisiana kids have been to, and uh, you know it means something when you when you when you see the national championships and you know the great players that have come through LSU. So when, when, yeah, when they have a chance to come in the Alex Box Stadium, um, Skip Bertman Field, it's it, it's a special time for them. I gotta I got believe that they're you know you, certainly they're wanting to win every game they play, every competitor sure. and every guy that, that that suits it up wants to do that, but. Yeah, it's a little something different when everybody, you know, you say what you want. Maybe there's a a a few outliers out there that you could ask, and they would say that that they don't want to, would have never wanted to play for LSU. But I bet the vast majority of Louisiana players want to put on the purple and gold. And so when they have a chance to come to Baton Rouge, they're they're looking to 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 show out and and impress everybody. And yeah, put that W on on uh, on their resume and have something to talk about for years to come. And um, it does become difficult and. Uh, but but if you're LSU, you know you, you look. I mean, you, you you can't think of it as any other way than just another ball game. And right. in LSU's case, I mean, they they they're on a little bit of a skid right now with a tough weekend. Uh, not going to make or break the season if they lose it, but you, you you'd like them to win it with with going into uh, Nashville and trying to uh, accomplish a big feat there. And be you certainly wouldn't be in a good mindset uh, losing this game and and you know having a four game skid when you're trying to uh when you're trying to host a regional and, and, and having to win some games big games up in Nashville.
1: Yeah LSU's RPI went from fifteen to thirty seven in a blink of an eye and that's not uh that's not good. So we'll we'll see what happens. Let me one more question. And I'll let you get out of here and I greatly appreciate it you get ready to head to Augusta uh to play on a Monday. Not bad. Not a bad gig if I may say so. Could you have been that guy that played every position you know, at at some point in time in your career, like I know that um, uh, Bianco, uh, all he needs to do is pitch an inning. That's not going to happen, probably. But right. could you have been that guy? Because you were versatile. Could you have played every position?
5: Yes, I do. Yes, I think so. And I and the the, the look, it's one thing. You can't you can't just say oh you can play you know a guy can play nine. I mean, can you actually do it in a competitive environment? Right. I mean, it, it, anybody can. Can can put on the helmet and get behind the plate, but if they can't catch a, a, a pitch right. from the catcher, then uh, then you, you can't really catch, right? I mean, you're just yeah. back there, just making a mockery. But That's I, I, right. catching was the only position. Actually, catching and uh, right field and center field were the only position. I've got a, a, you know, Drew's got me on a few of those, but you know, the pitching is the big one too. You know, again, you know, you could throw anybody out on the mound and they could just be, you know, just you know, laying in softballs there, but. To really get on the mound and be able to pitch, that was something I had the ability to do. And then I could play all the infield positions. And uh, this is not a knock on outfielders because I do think outfield is a very difficult position, especially when you get to college and the pros. It's not like Little League where you just hide the worst player in right field. Outfield becomes a difficult position. But I do think I I could play those. You know, and I did. I played left in one of the games. I had to come in late and fill in. Uh, But catcher would have been the one, which I I did some catching, you know, Again, Little League is Little League. This is, it's, not, it's not college. Don't get me wrong, Jordy. But right. the catching would have, been, would have been the one that I'd like to maybe get one. some uh, reps and, and, some, uh, yeah. and, and some practices uh, with some guys throwing before they just throw me in there. But do I think I could have done it? Yes, because, yeah. again, I you said so. it best. Uh, I, I describe my career like this. I, I was good at a lot of things. I just wasn't great at one thing. Gotcha. And, you know, you got to be great at hitting to play at LSU. you got to be great at pitching to pitch at LSU. But if you're good at a lot of things, you certainly can have a spot on the team yeah. and yeah. and contribute and, and contribute in different ways. And that's that's kind of how kind of how I sum up the you know my career.
1: No offense to outfielders, but catching seems to me a lot more difficult than playing the outfield. That's just me. I I don't know I don't know anything. But um, anyway, all right, Buzzy, we'll go. Uh, text message me. Let me know how you're. You know, I want you to be under par this time. All right, get one less bogey, let... and, and you'll be good. Yeah.
5: I'll give it everything I got. Something tells me I'm not going to even come close to what I did last year. Uh, but, that's not, you know, I need to have more confidence in myself. I get it. But uh, it was pretty look, crazy round. But I'll let you know, Jordan. We're going to have some fun. And, uh, yep, look, I, I appreciate you having me on. Look forward to the it, next time.
1: Look, if you need a build-up, confidence, uh, that's me. That's what I do. That's how I roll. <laughs> if you need some a lift to, to make you believe in yourself a little bit more, just give me a call, baby. It'll be free of charge. Buzzy Haydell, thank you, you man. Take it easy. All right how we going all right buddy lsu tonight 6 30 northwestern state you can watch it here on the game at 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles speaking of that um we want to hook you up some tickets to a special sneak peek of top gun maverick that's right you can see it for anyone else by simply texting top gun to 68683 that's Top Gun to six eight six eight three to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek May 26th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the Top Gun sneak peek preview brought to you by Big Boy Toys and the Game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Is Drew Brees coming back to play? Do the Saints have maybe the best collection of wide receivers? Is Sean Payton going to be good as an analyst? We'll discuss those topics and much much more as we have the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose coming up next. Here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles.
0: It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Oh, Robert, how are you, sir? Good afternoon, buddy. What's happening?
4: Jordy, I'm terrific. I hope you and your family are doing well. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Happy, happy Tuesday to you and to all you listeners out there. All right. Well, let, let's get right to it.
1: Um, man, signing Jarvis Landry, Tyron Matthew makes we want to play again. Wow. I may come back and play football again. Wow. And social media goes nuts. What was your initial reaction to the Drew Brees, very unusual and very infrequent use of Twitter.
4: Hey, Jordy, the, my first reaction and my reaction since then has been laughter. Uh, and yeah, this, it's, the, the, the laughter is absolutely no disrespect to Drew Brees whatsoever. He is one of the greatest football players to ever walk the planet. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he is serious. Uh, I didn't initially either. Uh, I, I think he was just poking a little bit of fun at the media, uh, particularly the national media. Uh, and you know specifically, probably the Saints fan base. Again, no disrespect to them. Uh, I just think that that was Drew being a little bit playful uh, and listening to both Mickey Loomis and Dennis Allen since I got that you know, the impression that they feel the same way.
1: Yeah, if he hadn't put Pickleball Pro and Senior PGA Tour or something like that, then I'd have gone, wait a minute. When it, as soon as I saw that, I went, okay, come on, come on, come on. Do you think he would have it in him at his age to come back and play one more year, just hypothetically?
4: No, I don't. Uh, and it hurts to say that. Uh, I think Drew Brees was done in 2020. Uh, I think he was done physically done before the season started. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he knew he was physically done also. Uh, you could tell in his, uh, in his subtle adjustments, by the way he threw the ball, just by the way, his body language. And by the way, he carried himself. Uh, you know, I just think that he knew he was physically done. Uh, and, and up here mentally, it affects you too. Uh, And I I realized that the Saints reportedly reached out to him after Jameis Winston went down last year, and that was a good idea. Uh, You know, know, just to reach out uh, because you know Breeze is will always be as sharp as any player mentally that's ever played the game. Uh, You know, so I think maybe for a short period of time, provided that Drew keeps himself into shape, uh, you know, he could probably step onto the field and still do it pretty well uh, for a game or two. But for a, a prolonged period, no. And you know, I, I I think he was playing on fumes through the entire 2020 season. Uh, you know, and most observers realized that. And I think he, he knew it, too, as a, as a uh, player.
1: Okay, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Another who is no longer with the Saints, and that's Sean Payton. Apparently, he's found his home away from home. He's going to join um, Fox as an analyst. Wasn't easy for Drew Brees doing the TV gig. It's not. And I'm curious to see how Sean Payton's going to. That studio role is difficult. You don't have much time to get your point across. And there's other people that want to get their point across as well. Um, And who knows how long this is going to be for with Sean Payton, right?
4: Uh, Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, first, let's address the last thing you just said. I think coaching is still in, uh, in Sean's blood. And I, for one, expect him to be back on the sidelines uh, within a year or two. Uh, I think I believe he's just taking this year uh, or however long off just to kind of recharge mentally and emotionally. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, you're right. And Drew Brees found out himself, uh, you know, whether you're in the booth uh, or in the studio as an analyst, it's not as easy as it looks, folks. Uh, You know, Jordy Holtberg is a consummate professional, but he'll tell you that. Uh, I'm still learning the game. I think Sean Payton is going to be fantastic in an analyst role, though. He yeah. is just—he has got such a huge personality, a great sense of humor. Uh, you know, he is not afraid to shoot from the hip or fire something off of the cuff. Uh, I always wondered, and again, I this segment I make it—I make myself sound like I'm being so disrespectful to Drew Brees, and I don't mean to be. I didn't think that Drew was a fit for. Yeah, the the booth or even a studio role he is very dry straight laced uh, again as knowledgeable as they come but if i have my choice between you know listening to sean payton or drew Brees uh analyzing a football yeah. game yeah. i would take sean payton in a heartbeat i think the man is going to be absolutely entertaining
1: okay um bob rose saints news network all right um you went from Wow. Wide receiver position is really a position of need. How would you rank now the trio of Michael Thomas? We still don't know how his health is. Um, Jarvis Landry's proven himself throughout the course of his career. And Chris Olave. How, how are, is that trio ranked to you, and how do the Saints best utilize them? Because as we have said before, it seems to me what Thomas does is very similar to what Landry does.
4: Yeah, you're right. Uh, and you know, Thomas at 100% is you know, heads and shoulders above what Jar- Jarvis Landry is, uh, but they are similar players. Uh, you know, Alave, I believe, is a fantastic route runner, but he certainly has the speed to take the top off of defense. Uh, yeah, then you sprinkle in uh, uh, Deontay Hardy, who uh, really exhibited himself well last year as a complimentary piece, uh, and even Marquez Callaway. So on paper, this has the potential to be the best wide receiver group that the saints have ever had. I am not about to say that it is yet because they haven't done it. Uh, you know, and I could name two or three you know, previous receiving cores uh, in new Orleans history, franchise history that are better because they did do it. Uh, yeah. But if Michael Thomas is healthy uh, and if Chris Olave is not a draft bust, you know, again, we're talking about a rookie who's never you know, seen NFL action yet. If those two things come to fruition, I think that Jameis Winston in this offense is going to have a fantastic season. I mean, you know, Jarvis Landry, Pro Bowl, you know, multiple Pro Bowler, Michael Thomas, multiple Pro Bowler, Chris Olave. You know, depending on who you talk to, the highest ranked, uh, rated receiver in a deep receiver class in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- this has the makings of a fantastic unit.
1: Are the Saints in the background going okay? Um, Jarvis. I mean, uh, Jameis. Um, We've done our part. Now the ball is in your court and we're going to see what you can do with all the weapons that we have provided for you. Is that is that a safe assessment? Yes,
4: sir. One hundred percent true. Uh, you know, we, you and I talked about you know prior to the draft. Hey, we would find out how much faith the Saints truly had in James Winston uh, based off of whether they take a quarterback or not. Flat out. We found the answer to that. Uh, yeah, and yeah, they, they responded by you know, doing exactly what you said, Jameis. Here's your offensive lineman to replace Teron Armstead, Jameis. Here's Jarvis Landry, a proven Pro Bowl wide receiver, Jameis. Here's Chris Olave, one of the top rated receivers yes. in this class. You do it now, or you're never going to do it. I think right. it's very, very black and white right now.
1: I'm with you. Um, okay, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Let's take a time out here. When we come back, we're talking about all the positives and all that, and that's great, but underneath the surface, there's got to be a couple of weaknesses here and there, and we'll delve into that plus other topics around the league as um, that quarterback in Cleveland's meeting with the league. I wonder how that's going, and uh, and much, much more on the Black and Gold Report here on the Jordy Helford Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll be right back after that.
0: The Geordie Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This, the best. this
4: thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it.
0: Geordie has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest. The best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. ball. Back to only the best. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: We continue the black and gold report with our good friend Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Uh, Bob, before we get into some areas of concern on this Saints team, Um, Mickey Loomis um, came out and readily admitted that uh, he saw a different level of emotion when Jarvis Landry and Teran Matthews signed with the New Orleans Saints. You know, I I like it when guys, uh, athletes want to be at a certain place where it really means a lot to them. And now you've got a leader on the offensive side. You've got a leader on the defensive side. Man, I like the locker room of the Saints now, even more so.
4: Yeah, I do, too. Uh, and it's obvious that yeah, coming home uh, meant a lot to Jarvis Landry and Tyron Matthew. Uh, and if, you, you, hit the, you hit the leadership uh, you know, uh, factor right on the head. This offseason, the Saints lost Marcus Williams, Malcolm Jenkins, and Teron Armstead, all three highly respected locker room presences. Uh, you know, now it's not like Honey Badger and you know Jarvis is going to come in and say, you know, this is my team, guys. Uh, but I just believe that right. their mentality, uh, you know, their experience uh, is just going to mesh so well, uh, you know, with the Cam Jordans and Michael Thomases and other leadership that's in that locker room. Uh, you know, so yeah, I, I really love the chemistry uh, that these guys are going to blend in. With the entire franchise. You
1: know what all LSU fans are saying? Sean Payton didn't want LSU players. It's kind of ironic he leaves and now all of a sudden you get two LSU players on the team. Do you think there's any validity to that in any way, shape, or form?
4: I, I would I mean, love to say no but you look at what they've done and it's it's hard to disagree. Uh, yeah, yeah for you LSU fans yeah they they still let yeah they're still uh, letting Quan Alexander walk around the streets as a free man. They got to bring that LSU tiger back in the building. Uh but yeah, but yeah, you know Sean Payton's avoidance of LSU players over the years uh, has been notorious. Uh, and then Dennis Allen's in the building for five minutes, and he you know, inks two LSU stars, and boom, like that. I'm
1: just saying, eh, where there's smoke, maybe there's fire. We'll see. All right, um, let's start on the defensive side. Um, boy, they they've done some work. Um, they made some moves in the secondary. They, you know, so when you look at the defense, it's got to be the strength of the club. But what do you see underneath the layer, the surface? That might be of concern to you.
4: Well, the first potential issue is you know, something that you and I have spoke about many times. Uh, you know, depth at linebacker. You know, Demario Davis and you know, Pete Alexander or Pete Warner, excuse me, uh, you know, make a fantastic pair, uh, but there's little proven depth behind them. Now, I'm a big fan of you know, rookie fifth round pick, Demarco Jackson, but he needs to do it first. Uh, you Caden Ellis is a, is a run guy, you know, run stopper, early down guy. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of, uh, uh, quality coverage linebackers outside of DeMario, uh, and Warner should something happen to them. Uh, and really only running two quality linebackers limits what you can do defensively a little bit anyway. Uh, you know, but that segues right into you. You mentioned the secondary on paper. I believe that Tyron Matthew and Marcus May are an athletic upgrade over Marcus Williams and Malcolm Agreed. Jenkins. Agree. But they have to do it. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Jen- Jenkins in particular has been a cover- fairly weak in coverage throughout his career and a downright liability in man coverage the last couple of years. But the key to what those two were able to do on the, uh, the defensive side, they were uh, they established communication and chemistry with those cornerbacks, Adibo, Lattimore, Roby. Before that, Janoris Jenkins. People don't realize how vital that is to a defensive secondary. Uh, you know, we know how how well Marshawn Lattimore and Paulson Adibo in particular, uh, can man up on an opposing wide receiver. But having Confidence in the safeties behind them allows them to be far more aggressive, take more chances in underneath coverage, uh, you know, without the threat or fear of communication breakdowns behind them. Uh, You know, May and Matthew, uh, and it does help greatly. The Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is is still there and P.J. Williams is back. But I think it's going to take a little bit of time for a – Comfortable communication and chemistry level to be established between the safeties and the cornerbacks. That's something for folks to keep a close eye on through training camp and preseason. The more reps these guys get together in game action, the quicker they're going to be able to uh, to kind of mesh. Uh, And, you know, you look at the quarterbacks and wideouts that they face even over the first month of the season. That could be vital.
1: Uh, Bob, they had rookie minicamp before we get to the offensive side. What did you hear about? I, I know there's not much to tell or, uh, or, or is there from what you have heard from the, the rookie minicamp that just took place?
4: Uh, the, yeah, most of what we heard, and we had our own representative there uh, and, and John Hendricks. Uh, yeah, most of the talk centered around Alave, uh, as well it should. Uh, but a, another guy that made a splash, and I know we're going to talk about the offense in a minute, is uh, undrafted Pitt Panther tight end uh, Lucas Crawl. Uh, now I scouted Crawl a little bit leading up to the draft. Uh, you know, he's, if you want a blocker, Saints fans, you know, Lucas Crawl is not your guy. But he is an absolute monstrous presence as a wide uh, as a receiver uh, at the tight end position. And Crawl turned a lot of heads with his route running ability. Uh, and you know, like you said, you're not going against you know, uh, you're not going against unfriendly fire right. uh, to borrow that term. Uh, but Crawl impressed a lot of people with his athleticism. Uh, you know, so yeah, Alave and Crawl are the two names that I was hearing pretty consistently stick out of uh, rookie minicamp.
1: Okay. Um all right. Offensive side of the ball. Um you, you upgrade the wide receiver position. No question. Um seems to me um depth offensive line maybe, but first priority to me is the running back room. I don't know. You tell me what what's what concerns you the most offensively.
4: Yeah, Jordy, I couldn't agree more about the running back room. I mean, the first concern on either side of the ball is the great equalizer injuries. This team has to have better luck in the injury All department. Right. Uh, yeah, and outside of that, like you said, yeah, it, the team needs a rapid development from Alave at wide receiver and Penning at offensive tackle. If penning develops quickly, that takes care of your depth concerns along the offensive line, too, right. because now all of a sudden you have James Hurst that could fill in at either tackle or guard spots. But outside of that, if you just look at the roster in black and white, running back continues to be the position that concerns me by far the most. We don't know what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara's suspension. Uh, and even you know, even when he's on the field, you know, knock on wood, what if he gets stinged up a little bit? Uh, We saw this offense come to a screeching halt when he missed four games with a knee injury last year. Mark Ingram can still do it, but only in a complementary role. I don't think Ingram has enough left in the tank to be uh, your primary ball carrier, uh, primary runner for however long the Camara might miss via suspension or if Camara goes down with injury. Now, I really like Abram Smith, the undrafted rookie from Baylor. But, folks, I mean, you know, Jordy, if you were the coach, would you really want to you know, throw all, push all your chips in on the table on Abram Smith, an undrafted guy who's never done it or hasn't done it yet, mm-hmm. uh, or Tony Jones or Divina Zigbo, you know, two undrafted guys who haven't done it yet in their career? That's an awful big roll of the dice to take uh, you know, if you're looking to surround pieces around Ingram and to complement Camara. That's why this position is by far the biggest concern for me on the entire roster.
1: Odell Beckham Jr. Is still out there? There's no way, right? There's no way. No, there's no way.
4: No, if they if they sign Odell Beckham, first of all, I mean, we know he's not going to be ready until at least November. Uh, you know, so if he's still floating out there as a free agent, uh, you know, Michael Thomas has problems with his ankle. Uh, another guy goes down. Uh, Alave turns out to be a ridiculous bust. Yeah. One oh, of those Lord. things happen. Then, yeah, you pick up the phone. You know, hey, Odell, you want to be our latest LSU guy coming home? Uh, yeah. But other than that, I, I, I cannot see it in a Saints. You I just can't. There's only one football to go around.
1: So let's say let's let's put the Saints in terms of like a college team. And they've got um, 24 players signed, sealed. and They got one spot available. You can get any player out there. What position would you get? What position and who would fill that? Who Who's a name out there that's out there that could possibly help this club? If there's anybody.
4: Hey, you and I are asking form weekly. Uh, Quan Alexander. Okay. Uh, outside of Quan, you got to address the running back spot. You know, the tight end you know, continues to be a black hole uh, unless you know, a Taysom Hill or a Lucas crawl steps up. But it, it's clear to me. That the Saints aren't going to put any stock at all uh, in the tight end position for their passing game. It's going to surround, you know, center around Kamara and the entire wide receiver core. So if you're going to do that, uh, you know, Quan is certainly one name, but you got to address running back. Uh, you know, I would target another LSU guy, uh, you know, Daryl Williams, uh, you know, from Love Kansas him. City in a of a year last year. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking for a more veteran guy, what about Jarek McKinnon? Uh, he ride, uh, revitalized his career in Kansas City. Uh, you want to between-the-tackles thumper, Jordan Howard, late, uh, latest of the Philadelphia Eagles. Those guys are all still out there. It's a big drop-off from Kamara for sure. Uh, you know, uh, what if you bring back a Latavius Murray or a Devontae Freeman, guys who know your system, that you know could step in off the street uh, and play a game tomorrow for the Saints if they had to? Uh yeah, you know, so yeah, if I only had as much as I want Quan back, at least we know there's pieces at the linebacker spot. I bring in one of the running backs that I just mentioned.
1: Who would you rather have? Uh Murray or Freeman? Murray. Me too.
4: Yeah, Me I, too. I'd have I'd have Murray. Uh yeah, he just Freeman really uh, you know, we talk about experience in the offense. Freeman only had it for a training camp. Uh and to be fair, neither guy showed very much. I think the Saints were, you know, were in the right by letting both of them go. Uh, but they each still showed that they have some football left with the Ravens last year. Yeah, I, I bring back Murray, and uh, you know when Kamara is suspended or you know taking a breather, you split carries between uh, uh, between Murray uh, and uh, Mark Ingram.
1: Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Every Cleveland Brown fan is very, very interested as the NFL has uh, begun direct meetings with their new quarterback, Deshaun Watson, in Texas today to determine if he violated the personal conduct policy, and if so, whether discipline should be imposed. What do you think of that mess?
4: It messes, messes the four, one of the four letter words I'd use for it. Uh, (laughs) You know, listen, Deshaun Watson was suspended for the entire year last year by the Houston Texans because of these allegations. Uh, Deshaun Watson has gone in front of what, is it two grand juries or is it three? Uh, I think it's been two. Two, I think even though he wasn't officially indicted there was enough to bring the bring the charges to the table if i'm roger goodell and i'm that league office that's all i need to hear you you did deshaun you did something wrong you might not go to jail over it uh yeah but you did something wrong in the legal eye and the personal conduct policy is very very clear on matters like this i i think it's an absolute travesty if he doesn't get suspended And I personally believe it should be for at least six games. Okay. Um, Very, very bare minimum. Yeah.
1: What do you think about Camara? What do you think happens there?
4: Based off of the video evidence that we did see, and it is floating out there. Uh, First of all, I'm shocked that you know, the the hearing has been given to two continuances. Right. Because from the pro, you know, we're like, and I think you and I talked about it before. We're like, what what exact evidence are you looking for? here? Right. Uh, you know, it's clear that Camaro was involved in some kind of physical violence. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the video shows that there's no getting around it. Uh, you know, I think I, I believe Camaro is looking at a, a minimum of two games, possibly as many as four. Uh, I think for it to be any more than four is a, a little bit above and beyond uh, You know, based off of the uh, based off of the evidence. We know it's a little bit above and beyond because the young man has never done anything else, uh, you, know, uh, you know, either uh, legally mm-hmm. or immorally that we are aware of. So unless there's something else underlying. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's unavoidable that Camaro faces suspension. He, he was a part of beating up somebody else. Right. You get punished for that. It's as simple as that, uh, but I think I think it's on the a uh, fairly minimum two to four games.
1: still have uh Baker Mayfield looking for a team. I'm still not sure what Seattle's gonna do with quarterback when the draft has come and gone um do you see something earth shattering happening or is that gonna be like after camps or what's gonna happen to these
4: guys? I think in Baker's case, it would probably be after camp, uh, you know, maybe one of those, uh, you know, trades that we always see happen a day or two before the regular season opener. Uh, <clears throat> and you know, Seattle is really the only team that pops up on the list as far as, uh, you know, looking at the roster of every single team. Uh, you know, Seattle looks to be the only fit for Baker Mayfield potentially Carolina, but I can't see that happening. Um, uh, if an injury to a quarterback happens in training camp and, you know, something you always hate to see, but something that often happens, right, right. that changes the stakes. And I think that that's why you know, Cleveland is smart to hang on to Baker at before this time period, uh, you know, rather than just cut him loose altogether. First of all, the, the Browns boxed the situation in the first place. Uh, you know, it was a low class way to handle it. Uh, yeah, you know, but that's right. why they're kind of stuck behind the eight ball now. Since they are, I if I'm making the decisions in Cleveland, I hold on to them too, at least through training camp to see what happens. Uh, and yeah, you know, at that point you get a little bit de- desperate because you can't have Baker Mayfield in the building either, so okay. you can't have them just sitting at home right. all this time right. and expect to get any value for him whatsoever.
1: And we we've been not to pat ourselves on the back. We've been pretty good. Taysom Hill, tight end, check. Terran Matthews, Saint, check. Jarvis Landry Saint, check. Now I'm putting my eggs in the basket of Daryl Williams. That's who my next, uh, I'm going to let it be known. Say, go get Daryl Williams to shore up your running back room. And then I think you're pretty good. And let's get Quan Alexander. Two more Tigers, and and we're good. We're good.
4: Hey, I'll be down with that. And don't forget our Nostradamus predictions of uh, Alave and Penning, too, uh, in, in the first round. Uh, I'll give you credit on the pending one, but I've been on uh, the Alave train since December. Uh, But, yeah, I'm all for bringing in Darrell Williams. And, you please, oh, please, oh, please uh, welcome Quan Alexander back home. All right. We'll see it. Bob,
1: next Tuesday, buddy. Thank you so much. Have a great week.
4: My pleasure, my friend. You have a great week. We'll talk soon. You got it. Thank you.
0: Next week, to the Jordy Holberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, welcome back. You know, it's free It's free to join the Game Clubhouse. So, when you do, you can get free stuff like a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse. Uh, so, sign up to the game. Become a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, and you get free stuff. So go sign up today. Again, a programming note, uh, LSU, uh, Northwestern State, first pick set for 630 tonight. Meanwhile, the Astros are are taking on the Boston Red Sox at Fenway. That's at 610. And you can listen to that on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. If today is your birthday, May 17th, man, happy birthday from all of us. To all of you. I hope you get a present, some cake and ice cream, all that fun stuff. You share your birthday with um 37-year-old Matt Ryan. Not a Falcon anymore. Hard to fathom that. And one of my all-time favorites. Um Nomas, right? 66 years young, Sugar Ray Leonard. Boy, how fast was he with the gloves? How good was that? Man, um, he and Hearns and Uh, That that era of boxing and that division, that was really, really good stuff. Special thanks to our guests Alex Myers, Golf Digest, with the the PGA Championship beginning Thursday. Grant Hughes on the NBA playoffs, Eastern Conference Game 1 finals start tonight. Buzzy Haydell uh, on LSU Baseball, and Bob Rose with the Saints. James, thank you so much. Come on back tomorrow. We'll recap some games and uh, take a look to the future. Plus, we'll talk about the Preakness stakes as well. Uh, so thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Come on back tomorrow. Same time, 2 to 4. Same great station. 103.7 The Game, uh, Lafayette, and 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Be kind, and let's be happy. So long, everybody.